You can always tell how much God loves a place, an amazing place like this, an amazing church, because of the pastors and the leaders that he sends. And all i got to say is that God must really love your church because he sent you some great Pastor John, Pastor David. Come on, give it up for Pastor Matt Bell. Come on, and all the leadership team and all the volunteers, thank God for Destiny Church. And I think about the generations, and I think about my family, five generations. I think about the generations that have been around here, Pastor John, Pastor David, Pastor Matt, and, and now just the next generation. It just never stops. This amazing momentum. I think of a generational God. I think of a generational church that Destiny Church is. He is the God of Abraham. He's the God of Isaac. He's the God of Jacob, and people and families, and Young people and kids, next generation, are being raised up to serve the Lord. And I was reading recently where people who really loved God like to hang out. It's found in Hebrews chapter 11. And the, the one who really kick-started this generational blessing was a man by the name of, of Abraham. And I just wanted to kind of dive in and camp on his life just for a moment here today. And one of the most striking verses of, of Abraham is found in Hebrews chapter 11, verse Verse 8, if you have a Bible, go ahead and turn with me. I want to invite you to turn to Genesis chapter 22. We're going to get there in just a moment. But we're going to start with Hebrews chapter 11, verse, verse 8. If you have an iPhone or you have an iPad or any other form of iNIS or whatever, I think you might be able to follow it on the screen back behind me. <laughs> Hebrews 11, 8, an amazing, just strikes me here. As it relates to the life of Abraham, no, notice what it says. It says, by, by faith, this is a house of faith. By faith, Abraham, he, he obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance. And as he went out, not knowing where he was going. Wow, what, what an amazing scripture. No, no GPS, no Google Maps, no, no identification on where he was supposed to go. He was just called to say yes sir and square his shoulders back and report for duty not even knowing where he was going just called to step out by faith into obedience let's personalize the story in the life of abraham the moving truck backs into his driveway the moving van comes back and and he loads up abraham and sarah load up all of their earthly possessions all their earthly goods their furniture, their appliances, and their boxes, and their parrot, and their dog, and they, they load it all up on the moving van, and, and they turn to, Abraham turns to his neighbor and says, we're moving. And the neighbor says, well, I, I can see that you have all of your stuff packed. Where are you going? And Abraham says, well, we don't, we don't know where, where we're going. Well, what do you mean? You have all your stuff on the truck. What do you mean you don't know where you're, you're going? Well, I don't know. By, by faith, the Lord just spoke to my wife and I and, and told us to, to go to a place that we don't even know of. But we know that when we get there, because we trust God by faith, that there's going to be a good place for us. There's going to be a good church for us. There's going to be a good neighborhood for us. There's going to be a good school for the kids. There might even be a pool in the backyard, and I know that there's going to be incredible blessings poured out on me and my family if we would just go. And can I tell you, church, that's exactly what Abraham did. That's exactly what he did in stepping out in faith, and he passed the test of faith and the test of obedience. And just as the case with every man, 
And every woman of God that steps out of Egypt called Louisiana to come to Spurs country in San Antonio where you don't know where you're going. There's many blessings poured out if you and I step out in faith. Now, how many have discovered that God is a tester? Come on, the rest of you guys. How many guys have discovered that God's a tester? How many love to take tests? Don't you dare raise your hand. You don't like to take tests. Don't be lying up in the house of the Lord. Have you discovered that God's a tester? Now, heaven is for free, but how many know the rest you have to pay for? And you can't know or walk in the authority of God unless you discover that God's a tester and you overcome the test that God puts out before us. And there was another test on the life of Abraham that we're going to just get a snapshot, just a soundbite of, of Abraham in Genesis chapter 22 and verse 1. This is going to be a word, I believe, for Destiny Church here this morning. Let's let our hair down, although I'm bald, but let's, let's let our hair down and have a little fun with this scripture here today. Genesis chapter 22, follow along with me. It says, now it came to pass after these things that, that God tested. Come on, say tested with me. God tested Abraham and said to him, now I don't know how the Lord would sound. I don't know how he, he talks. How many know he's the Lord? He can, he can say and sound however he wants to. But notice what the Lord does. He doesn't just test Abraham, but he, he says something to Abraham. And he says, Abraham. And I love what Abraham says back. Here I am. Here I am. Abraham, God says. Here I am. Don't you love that response? Isn't that an awesome response? God comes to you. God comes to me. God comes to Abraham in Genesis 22.1 and, and says, Abraham, here's a senior citizen, an old body but with a young spirit. He's got a young spirit ready to go at any moment's notice. How many know the Bible says those that are willing and obedient will eat the best of the land? Here, this young spirit, but yet he's got an AARP card. He's getting discounts at movie theaters and restaurants. He's getting free milkshakes at, at Wendy's. He's got a little card, a little senior discount. He's a little 10% here, a little 20%. Come on, where's all my senior citizens up in the house? A little 55 and over. I wish I was 55 and over. I'd go kind of catch that steak dinner that you guys are having. When, when's the steak dinner, Jody? I wish I was 55 and over. Eat a little steak. Abraham's getting a little discount on a steak. He's over 55. He's a senior citizen, but yet he's saying, here I am. I, I love that, his, his heart. You know what some Christians do? Some Christians reverse the order. When God comes and calls you to a place and it seems a little uncertain and you don't know where he's calling you to and, and you're having to pass the test now how many know that God always tests us but he doesn't test us to fail us but if we fail we just have to retake the test God loves to test us to pass us he loves to catch you succeeding in life but he will test you and when he comes and speaks to you and gives you a big fat test how many sometimes it's, it's good not to hear from God sometimes because you know if you hear from God a big fat test is coming and we have an opportunity to retake or fail or pass the test. What is Abraham going to do with this test that God gives to him? 
And some people, when a spoken word from God comes into your life, like on a Sunday morning or during church services during the week or through somebody else in your life, and God speaks a word that challenges you or stretches you or wants to change you or wants to grow you to the next level, a whole nother level. A lot of Christians reverse the order and do not say, here I am. In fact, they say, am I here? How many have ever known this test before? God speaks and then he splits. He speaks a word and then leaves it for you to walk it out by faith. And you wonder why you have a pile of people in church that some say, here I am. And others in a church service, not here, not in Seguin in Jesus' name, but in other church services that say, Am I here? And you wonder why church can be a little bit less than exciting sometimes because you have some that say, here I am, and some that say, am I really here? Are y'all hearing what I'm saying here today? So, some that say, you know what? I, I'll, I'll change, I'll, I'll build, I'll, I'll give, I'll take ground, I'll serve, I'll volunteer, I'll go into the land, the promised land, and possess it like Joshua and Caleb. We got spirit, yes we do, we got spirit, how about you? There's some that say, yes we can, and then there's a lethal mix of others who say, like the ten spy spirit, it's a sour spirit that says, no we can't, look at the giants. No, it's, it's, it's not going to be something that, that we can possess. It's going to be too challenging. It's going to be too difficult. It's going to be too hard. How many have ever known some people like that? That some say, here I am, and some say, am I really here? You know why young people sometimes don't want to go to heaven? They don't want to die and go to church. <laughs> and hang out with a pile of people that say, am I here? How many see the dichotomy? between the two how, how many have a spirit here I, I believe it's a, a house of faith here today that says here I am like Abraham a senior citizen said yes I'll report for duty yes and then there's others who say ah no we can't do it wah, wah. we're not going to give we're not going to serve we're not going to take our time we're not going to pray for those we're not going to reach out we're not going to stretch we're not going to grow we're not going to volunteer we're not going to show up how many have ever known some 10 spies, some negative people, some negative Nellies in your life? How many are thinking about that person right now? Come on, how many are sitting next to that person right now? Don't raise your hand right now. That's going to get awkward. <laughs> Abraham's response, here I am. Now, if God is saying your name, and God will always say your name, because if he doesn't say your name and you've been going to church for a very long time, how boring would it be for you to sit in church every single Sunday morning and God were never to speak to you? God will say your name, and when he says your name, you'll have an opportunity to either pass the test, but don't flunk the test by saying, am I really here? Respond by saying, here I am. And God speaks a word, and he'll say something like this, destiny church, in a general sense. But that gives us an opportunity sometimes to hide underneath that word and say, that's not for me. Paul, you came as a guest speaker and I'm hearing what you're saying, but that's not for me. And that's for, not for my family and that's not for my kids. That's not, because he's speaking to Destiny Church and sometimes we can kind of hide and say, that's not my word. But how about if God were to narrow cast what he says? And he comes to you personally like he comes to Abraham and Abraham couldn't hide. 
and say, that's not for me, when he says, Abraham. <laughs> How about when God comes to you and says, Larry? Then all of a sudden, it's not Destiny Church, the umbrella of Destiny Church anymore. It's like God's speaking to you, and he says, Harry. Hey, Hank. And all of a sudden, you're saying, hey, wow, he's, he's speaking to me. Now, when God speaks to you, and he will speak to you, or else it's just boring believer. A boring believer is a person who's never heard the voice of God, and all of a sudden, you're hearing the voice of God, and you can pass the test and not flunk the test. But you can overcome that test when he says to you, Larry, or he says to you, Harry. But when God speaks to you, I want you to say, you'll be tempted to say, am I really here? You know why? Let me tell you the next thing, verse 2, because he's coming after what you love. <laughs> I mean, he's coming after that thing that you're very interested in. Now, if you love something, don't let God find out. Like, keep it a secret. You know what I'm saying? Like, act like you don't. I'm not into her. I'm not into him. Because he's coming after that thing that you cherish, that thing that you adore, that thing that you love. Notice verse 2. Then he said, take now your son. Now, let me get real personal here today. Is that okay? I'll just go ahead and put a, a blank there. Take now your blank, your only blank, and God rubbeth it in it. I mean, he just kind of keeps on. He's Three times he says, take now your son, your only son, the one that you love. This, how many of you have ever known this test before? God says, take that thing that you're the most interested in, that thing that you love the very most. And God says, can you lay it at my feet? Can you give your very best? Don't say, am I really here when God comes after that which you love? Take now your son, Abraham, your only son which you love. Let's move on. Verse 3, it says this. So Abraham rose early. How many would have slept in? I think I would have. I would have got an intern to do it. He rose early, he saddled his donkey, he took two of his young men with him, and Isaac his son, and he splits the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. Notice verse 4. And then on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and he saw the place afar off. When you begin to start obeying God and stepping out in faith, in obedience, and you pass the test and you say, here I am. Notice you'll begin to start having prophetic precision on your life. God will give you eyesight, and he'll give you God insight. He'll give you revelation on your life. And he was not, hear me, church, he was not able to see the place far off before he obeyed. When God comes after that which you love, and you don't say, am I really here? You say, here am I, and you begin to start walking with God. All of a sudden, what happens is God gives you a prophetic vision, and then after you obey, you get to see what God has called you to do, what he's called you to be. It's only after our obedience. I want a prophetic vision and the touch of God. How many want a prophetic vision of the touch of God on your life? Such incredible encounters with God that God allows you to see what the next step is for decisions that you have to make in life to bring him a lot of glory. I want a prophetic vision on my life, but it always comes with a price tag of here I am. And when you give God a here I am, he'll show you the place afar off. Verse 5 and 6, Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey and the lad, and I will go yonder, and I'm going to worship, and we will come back to you. So Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, this young man, his son. And he took the fire in his hand and the knife, and the two of them went together. But Isaac spoke to Abraham, the father, and said, My father, and he said again, Here I am, my son. 
And then he said, look, the fire and the wood, but where's the lamb for the offering? And Abraham said, my son, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. So the two of them went together. I love this. It's a prophetic picture of Abraham and Isaac and the wood. And it's a, it's a prelude to thousands of years later what God the Father would do to his only son, Jesus, when he would carry the cross, that wood. In fact, a lot of scholars believe this is in the same vicinity of Golgotha, that Abraham and Isaac, he laid his son on an altar. It's a pre-picturing of what God the Father would do with his son, laying his son on some wood on Golgotha. It's a wonderful story. It's a, it's a powerful story. And I want to just paint a picture in the moments that we have here together of the rest of the story. Is that here you have Abraham and, and Isaac. Follow me, church. And they're on assignment from God, and they're walking up one side of the mountain. Now, how many know the will of God oftentimes is uphill? How many have ever discovered that before? So not only is it a mountain to do the will of God and to pass the test, but it's also you can't see very far. And here they are, Abraham and Isaac marching up. He rose early in the morning. God's looking at Abraham saying, that's my man. He rose up early. He's giving his very best. He's taking the thing that he loves. He's taking that wood. He's taking that knife. He's marching up this mountain. And they're on assignment from God. And as they're walking up this unclear path, this uncertain way of doing life, they had never been to this place before. And as they're going up one side of the mountain, of course, you know that God is preparing something on the unseen other side of the mountain. If you know the story, he's preparing a, a ram. And how many know God speaks to Abraham? But then how many know God can do whatever he wants? God can speak to a ram. He starts talking to the ram. He says, ram. The ram says, yes. <laughs> ram, I'm God. Do what I say. Here I am. The ram had a here I am. I mean, know what I'm saying? The ram says, yes. What do you want me to do, God? I want you to get up to the top of the mountain. What am I going to do when I get to the top? And here Abraham and Isaac can't even see what God is preparing in the form of provision and blessing on the unseen other side of the mountain. Here you have God speaking to a ram, and the ram's a little bit confused because now he's going down, and God says, get back up. What do you want me to do when I get there? And when he gets there, he says, I want, to, I want you to get your horns caught in a thicket. Get all tangled up in some San Antonio traffic. You know what I'm saying? Like, why don't you get your horns and get all rattled up, man, wrangled up in, in a thicket. And Abraham and Isaac can't see that God is providing something. How many know that Abraham and Isaac were on assignment, but God is assigning something on the other side of your obedience? He always does. When you serve and you give and you pray and you throw yourself into the life of the church, God has always got an assignment on the other side of you stepping out in faith. It's just the law, the economy of God, and they get to the top of the mountain. Fast forward the story. Abraham takes his son. He lays him on an altar. He's in his early 20s. He's got to tie him down because young 20s millennials have a tendency to change their minds, so he ties him down. Make sure he doesn't go anywhere. And just before he's beginning to start to lay his weight into that knife to kill and slay his son, God from heaven just all of a sudden yells out, stop, and, and Isaac goes, whoa. And Abraham goes, man, you know what? Hey, oh, happy day. Oh, happy day. And both of them rejoiced exceedingly, especially Isaac. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, and here they are at the top of the mountain. 
And we know the rest of the story is that because Abraham gave a here I am, there was a ram. Now what are we supposed to do? There's a ram over there prepared for the sacrifice. And instead of his son, he laid up that ram as a provision. I want you to catch this in verse 14. It says it it this way. It says, "And, and Abraham called the name of the place. The Lord will provide. As it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. I want to have an encounter with God. I believe you do too. An encounter with God in such a way that you can just rename some places. You can name and you can just slap a new name on it. Because you know the character of of God in such a way that you came up your side of the mountain and God always comes up his side of the mountain. How many know miracles always begin with what you can do and always ends up with what God can do? And he is assigning some provision for your life. He's assigning some blessing for your life. It's called the walk of faith. And here they're stepping out in in faith. And because they stepped out in faith, God says, why don't you slap a new name on that thing called, I am the Lord that will provide for your every need. I'll resource your life. And I want to tag one verse and drill it down here today. I I want you to go back to Genesis 22, verse, verse 5. I think this is the key to having God provide Because I believe this is a house of blessing, and you can get up under the canopy of God's resources. It says says this in verse 5, And Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey, and I will go yonder and, and worship, and we will come back to you. There's just a lot of revelation in all this. We don't have time to get into all of it, but Abraham knew he was going to go up on top of that mountain and come back with his son. He had that much faith. And if God were to do something different, he knew that God could resurrect his son. But he knew that I'm going to come back with my boy. But here's what I want you to catch here today. That they, he said this in verse 5. He says, we're going to go and we're going we're to worship. Can you say worship with me? Come on, the rest of us, all together. Worship. And I, I thought about that and I was like, wow. Abraham, is is that what you're going to do? Is that what, Abraham, you, you call getting up early in the morning, saddling the donkey, doing something uncertain, going down a path that you've never gone down before? The stretch, the challenge, the test, the trial, the, the growth? God, you're expanding me, and this doesn't feel good. This is out of my comfort zone. I don't know where you're leading me, God, but i got to trust that even if I can't trace your hand, I can trust, God, your heart. And when I thought about Abraham calling it worship, I don't know if I would have called it worship. I think I probably would have had less faith and I probably would have said something like, is that really what you call it, Abraham, is worship? Because I would have, Paul Mason, probably would have called the toughest, seemingly, the toughest thing that I've ever been asked to do, I probably would have called that a sacrifice. Are you hearing what I'm saying? How many know what some people call a sacrifice, other people call worship? 
And when you call it a sacrifice, have you ever been around some sacrificially minded people in a negative sense? How you doing today? Oh, I'm just kind of, just kind of overwhelmed. Well, how, how's it going in life? It's hard. Well, how's, how's the family? I don't know. They're doing whatever they want to do. I just can't figure them out. Well, how, how's your kids? I don't know. They're somewhere, but man, it's hard raising a teenager. Well, how's your wife? I don't know. She's shopping or something. Whatever. We haven't talked in three, four months. I don't know. It's, I, everything's tough. How's the job? It's just kind of tough. Everything's hard. You ever been around a sacrificially minded kind of just everything's a sacrifice when it comes to trials and tests and the difficulties of life? It's amazing. Some people, what they call a sacrifice, other people, because I probably would have, but Abraham didn't call it this. He didn't call it a tough thing that he was asked to do by God. He didn't call it a sacrifice. He called it worship. And when you call it worship, the Lord says you get to call it and slap a new name on it the Lord will provide it's only when you call it worship the toughest thing that you've ever walked through in your life and you call it worship when it's hard to call it worship and you call it worship and say God I trust you anyway God says now you know that I'm the God who's going to provide for you and that's not the only thing that God did in fact God starts swearing after you call it worship after you've given him a here i am and you call it worship he starts providing and kicking in and then god starts getting some momentum and he says i'm going to start swearing over your life verse 16 it's in your bible notice by myself i have sworn do y'all see that i have sworn says the lord because you have done this thing and have not withheld your very best your son your only son now notice how excited god gets he starts preaching to himself blessing i'm gonna bless you come on destiny church and multiplying i'll multiply your descendants as the stars of the heaven and as the sand which is on the seashore and your descendants shall possess the gates of their enemies and your seed the next generation abraham isaac and jacob and every future generation after all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because you have obeyed my voice when you give God a here I am he has a ram and he has a place of provision and then he takes you to the top of the mountain and he says now you can slap a new name on it and call it the Lord will provide for my every need your need my need Abraham's need it always works out and then God begins to start saying call it worship not a sacrifice but when you call it worship all of a sudden god starts swearing now god will never cuss but god is always looking for a great opportunity to swear over your life and he'll swear in he'll swear in the blessings of god not just over you but on isaac underneath it and jacob and all of the sands every seed that comes out of you God's going to put blessing on top of it. You know why some of you are so exciting to God? Because he's pretty exciting to you. You're not bored with God. You know why? You're, you're invested. You have faith. You give, man. You, you serve. You've said for years, here I am. And you've seen the blessing and the swearing in of God 
over your life. You'll never know the heart of God unless you go through some stuff in your life and you don't want to fail the test. You want to not retake the test. You want to overcome that test by walking in obedience. Because you've obeyed my voice, I'm going to bless and take care of the generations. If you've not experienced this test, it's coming. And you can't know the greatness of God without knowing the depth of having to go through something. Can I just have a couple more minutes and then I can pray for you? Is that, would that be okay? In my life, I've, I've gone through some things. I've been in the ministry for 21 years. And in the ministry, I've gone through some difficult things. Some unclear things, some uphill things, some unseen things, some uncertain things. And God's put his finger on my life. And I've had the opportunity to retake some tests and some passing of some of those tests as we walk with God. I was in New Orleans. I mentioned my, my papa. And, of course, he had a daughter, Paulette. And Paulette was married to my my daddy, Bill Mason, William David Mason. He was a worshiper, too. You got Papa, and then you got Abraham, and you got Isaac, which is my dad. And then you got, I'm a middle kid, and then I've got a younger brother, Matt, and, and then I've got my older sister, Lori. Palm Sunday, 1988, March 27th. I'm sitting on the front row where my family is right there. My dad's 45 years old. I'm going to turn 45 on June 11th this year. My dad's in the middle of a, a sermon. He's preaching in the pulpit. He comes down off the steps. He comes within five feet of my family. In the middle of the sermon, he dropped dead of a massive heart attack right in front of me, my brother, and my older sister and my mom, who was 39 years old. How many know that's an uphill? That's an unseen, that's an unclear path. How, how, do, you, how do you process something like that? Calvary Temple Church in New Orleans, there's probably three to 400 people that, that day. It was absolute pandemonium in the church. People crying, people praying. I know this hits home. This is why God's connected, I believe, at the next level, my close friend, Matt Bell. Because I've, I've never heard of in the country any other story that's similar to Dave Bell and what happened up here while he's worshiping and pleasing the Lord. My dad was just worshiping that day. He was preaching that day. He was pleasing the Lord. And I, I believe it, it went like this. I, I believe that dad, while he was affecting God's heart and moving God's heart. You know, you can affect God's heart with the way you worship. Worship is a here I am. My dad was giving God a here I am that day. I'd rather not be doing anything else in the world but pastoring these people at Calvary Temple. I'd rather not be doing anything else in the world than preaching the gospel to the people on every Sunday morning. To have my family on the front row, to, to see God in action, to see God at work. Not a, an ethereal God. Not something's kind of like it's a, a fabricated theory, but in reality that God is real. He still sets people free. He still saves people. He, 
He still moves with signs and wonders and miracles. And to see that as a kid, as a teenager, I was 14 years old. And I lost my earthly dad that day. But I gained a, a heavenly father that day. In fact, the Sunday before, dad was preaching on Elijah and Elisha. How many remember that story? Elijah and Elisha. There's a ja and a sha. And Elisha is following the path. And Elijah gets literally taken up in a whirlwind. My dad's preaching on this sermon the Sunday before he died. And he says this. He interrupts himself in the middle of the sermon. And he says, just like Elisha saw Elijah go up to heaven and he did not die. And a mantle of anointing fell, a calling fell on Elisha that day, and he received a double portion and did double the amount of miracles that Elijah had done. And Elijah said, if you see me when I go, I'll put my mantle and my call on your life, and you'll receive a double portion in your life, all the days of your life. And my dad was preaching that Sunday sermon, and he says this, he goes, wow, what a way to go to heaven. Is like Elijah. In fact, church, if I were to go one way, I would like to go preaching the gospel. In fact, if you have to drag me out of here feet first, that's the way I want to go. And seven days later, we dragged him out feet first, preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. What I think happened that day is because my dad gave God a here I am his whole life and didn't call it a sacrifice, and he called preaching the gospel and pastoring God's people worship is that God hugged him a little bit too hard that day I think God came out of time and space and squeezed him right out of this earth and said you so affect me and you so move me and you so pursued me and you so Bill Mason please me and Dave Bell so preached the gospel and led people into worship so many years that I just came out of heaven and squeezed Dave Bell right out of time and space, right up here to be with me. I want you up here with me, boy. Because you moved my heart. That's Abraham. Abraham moved the heart of God. Could it be that we live in such a way that when we go to heaven, there's not a big distance between our relationship with God and our relationship with God on the earth, that literally is just a thin tissue. And we just walk through a little thin tissue and say, oh, as I was saying, Lord, could it be that God just said, hey, why don't you just continue your sermon, Bill Mason? You were so close to my heart down there on earth, you just stepped through a little paper-thin tissue. Why don't you just go ahead and just continue to worship me? Because you were doing it down there anyway. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying here today? Let's give God a here I am. And God will always provide a ram. And when you don't call it sacrifice, when you call it worship, God says, I'll provide for you, and he'll swear in the blessings of God all the days of your life, and it'll affect the future generations. Now it's going to affect Joel David. Now it's going to affect Jenna Kate and what comes after that. How many want to see the profuse favor and blessing of God and the touch of God on your life and your family. Come on, Destiny Church. Let's give the Lord. Can y'all receive this word here today? I want to bless you. I want to pray for you. Why don't you bow your heads all over the room. God, I thank you, Lord, for Destiny Church. I thank you, Lord, for the, the legacy on this house. 
Lord, I thank you for Pastor John and Pastor David Bell. I thank you, God, for Pastor Matt Bell. Now his kids and, Lord, even Matt's brothers and their kids and their families and the leaders in this house. And, Lord God, I pray that you would cascade it down into every volunteer and every member of this church. God, that we would see God in action. We would see God, the reality that he still performs signs, wonders, and miracles. And God, all you're looking is for us to say, yes, sir, here I am. And we know when we give you not a am I really here, but when we give you a here I am, and we walk up our side of the mountain, God, there's an unseen other side that you're already providing for us. God, I thank you, Lord, this is a house of faith. I thank you, God, this is a house that's going to pass the test of obedience. I thank you, God, this is a house of blessing. It's not a house of sacrifice. It's a house that we're going to call worship. And God, you're going to show up as you always do. And I thank you, God, that you're going to put a spirit in this room on every person, young all the way to the oldest person, the senior citizen in the room. And God, you're going to put a spirit on us that does more than just something for God. It's a spirit that you'll put a mantle on this house that says, God, we will do anything because we trust you and we'll get your everything because we'll allow ourselves to be willing to do whatever it takes to throw ourselves into the work of God. Lord, let us use our talents. Let us use our gifts. Let us use our willingness. Let us use our obedience to leverage the gifts that are in this church to flip a city to reach more people, to build, to grow, to stretch. And we're not going to say no like the 10 spies. We're going to say, yes, we can take ground. Yes, we can be a part of your promises in the Bible. I pray promises and blessing in Jesus' name all over this house. And everybody said a good amen to that. Come on, let's give the Lord a hand in this room.